Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Sarah Marie Little is a certified professional coach for individuals and small businesses seeking to live well and productively. Based out of Canberra, Australia, she holds a diploma of life and career coaching from the Leading Edge Foundation, an international certificate in life coaching from the International Coaching Academy, and a Bachelor of Laws from the University of Canberra. Her work has been published in Ohm Magazine, Rebel Society, Huffington Post, Elephant Journal, Lifehack, and more. Welcome to the Hazard Girls podcast, Sarah. Hello, Emily. It's so lovely to be here with you today. Well, right now it is about 4.40 p.m. on the East Coast in the USA, And I have to ask you, are you a morning person? (laughs) I kind of saw that one coming. (laughs) Yes and no. You know, it's so funny. I don't believe that our personalities are really truly fixed. I think we can definitely change longstanding old habits. And for the longest time, I was a night person, a night owl. Recently, I decided in the last few years, I would make the steps to be a morning person. So it is 6.30 in the morning here. And yes, it is early. But over time, I was gradually able to get up earlier every day. So it's not unusual for me to be up this early. Our listeners cannot see you, but I have to say that you look very cozy and calm and you do look awake, but in a very relaxed way. (laughs) So whatever you're doing has worked. (laughs) Can you actually talk about that a little bit? I'm just really interested in your process. I am a night person. I stay up way too late. And when I do get up early, um, you know, I stray for the coffee. I can't really even function without it. So I would love to hear how that, how you did that and how that worked for you. I love this topic, Emily, and I'm so passionate about this because it really encompasses so many different elements, doesn't it? Now, I definitely relate to you in saying that you're a night owl because I am also a writer and I used to use that as kind of like my excuse to be like, I have to stay up late because that's when I'm most creative. Recently, I started to play with different ideas about my creativity and about my energy flow. And I realized actually I was most creative at midday, but I'd always held this belief that I was a night owl and that was when I was creative. So it's interesting, I think. For me, I'm definitely a slow learner and I definitely don't sort of live quite a conventional life and I never really have. And so when I decided to wake up earlier, it sort of came as an offset. I was wanting to reach a goal because I practiced Ashtanga yoga. And I thought if I can wake up earlier, I can get my Ashtanga done before I take my son to school, right? And before I start my day. But what I found was waking up at 5am to do a 90 minute Ashtanga practice 
practically impossible like to go from I used to wake up this is me I'm so embarrassed to say this I used to wake up at 8 30 a.m and allow 15 minutes to take my son to school he'd also wake up at 8 30 and we'd have this 15 minute window of racing out the door and getting him to school but that wasn't obviously working and my mental health really suffered because I felt flustered throughout the entire day. So I incorporated this technique of my small-scale happiness. Small-scale happiness really is about small incremental improvements. Maybe some of your audience has heard of the term Kaizen, and it was a term adopted in the business world in Japan to help businesses to make small incremental changes. And so I adopt this small scale mindset of instead of aiming for to get up at 5 a.m. from 8.30 a.m., I'm going to get up at 8.20 for one week. And then the next week, I'm going to get up at 8.10. And the week after that, 8.05. And as well, on top of that, it works out really nicely because if you are really stressed out and if you have health conditions or if your life is maybe up and down and it's never really so productive, it's a really good methodology to use because it kind of creates new habits slowly and over time. And for me as well at the time, I was suffering from some really bad health problems midway through when I set this goal and I wasn't able to do the full Ashtanga 90 minutes. In fact, I could only do 10 minutes and then I had to stop because I couldn't breathe. And so as my health improved, I also implemented this technique with my Ashtanga yoga where I worked on just 10 minutes. And sometimes I had to do five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the afternoon. And then I just built upon that so that I was able to change the habit just gradually and over time. And it was effortless, really. And that requires a lot of patience, doesn't it? Yes, I I think so. I think you can draw upon your own strengths for this. So if you have a lot of patience, you can draw upon that. If you have a lot of grit, you can draw upon that. I think whatever we do, whether this is wanting to wake up earlier or wanting to set other goals, we should definitely look upon our strengths. And for me, I'm fortunate because I have this strong patience and this strong willingness to go the distance and wait. So the thing about, I think, goal setting and about just happiness generally is that we often set goals and we often do things for the results, whereas that can kind of get in the way a little bit because if we have a fixed mindset on what we want to achieve, we may just miss the opportunities that are meant for us. So sometimes, you know, for me, I definitely know in the past, sometimes I've had this fixed mindset on, I have to do this Ashtanga practice. But if I push through, I miss the opportunity of being present to my body, of the sacred time I am taking. And it can sometimes do a disservice to ourselves because we, when we're so focused on what's in the distance, we miss what's in the here and now. And I think this is one of the challenges with our society is that we are so focused 
on acquiring and attaining and reaching a certain status and a certain wealth. But studies have shown that money doesn't bring happiness and it's actually the number one fundamental thing that gives us happiness is relationships. And it's so interesting because when we are striving towards goals, which are wonderful, and I definitely advocate for goals, but when we're striving towards things so firmly, we can miss the beautiful people in our life and we can miss the things that really give us a sense of lasting happiness. So you are in favor of setting goals, but you, you're you just saying that it need, there needs to be a balance in how we achieve them. I think so. I think we need to really advocate more for our well-being. I know it's challenging because passion can feel so intense when we're passionate about our job or our artwork. It can feel really intense. But with that said, if we could just come back to see ourselves as more than just work and life. There's this whole work-life balance. But in reality, we are so complex and there are so many different elements to us that we often overlook and miss. And I think setting goals with intentions that are really aligned to your values, to your core values, really aligning your goals to, is this what you really want? Or are you doing this to achieve something or show somebody something about you? And coming back to just really having a pure intention around why are you setting this goal? And can you achieve this goal in a healthy way where your entire well-being is looked after? Well, how do you know if you are going after your goal in, let's say, an unhealthy way? I think you know. I think people really know. I think when we start to push, when we're pushing ourselves through, this is a big problem with, especially with the modern work world, is that we seem to have this idea of hustle and it's completely fine to to, to want to get things done, but at what cost? We are living longer than ever before. Our income has increased overall, but we are not, our happiness hasn't gone up. So I think if you just come back to your body, you check in with yourself. And I think, you know, you know, if you have the signs of stress and exhaustion and burnout creeping in, those are definitely signs that maybe, maybe you need to just change something or just look into something a little bit more as to why these signs of stress are creeping in. Let's talk about that for a moment, burnout and stress. This is a topic that I know many women in our audience are dealing with all the time, whether it be from their jobs alone or from the pressures of trying to balance everything going on in their lives from family responsibilities to career responsibilities and trying to pursue other side projects that everyone puts so much pressure on themselves to pursue. Since this is an issue with so many women, what is your advice on dealing with it? I mean, I think sometimes we might even need help recognizing that we're experiencing burnout and stress. So I guess the first question is, how do we know? And then, you know, what is your advice to take control and to help yourself deal with it and really get past it and get get into a more peaceful and productive place. Yeah, this is such a beautiful segue from the small scale goals and 
making incremental changes actually Emily this is really nice stress is really one of the worst things for your health it really is and we don't live in isolation so mostly as well the people around you are going to be affected right so stress shows up in the body generally as that pounding feeling in your heart you may feel like you can't focus for very long, very distracted. Minor things might make you feel completely overwhelmed, emotionally, physically, mentally. And you may not want to socialize or you might find that your art project maybe doesn't give you the satisfaction that it once did. And so these are little telltale signs. And stress, if we don't deal with it, it can lead to this chronic burnout and burnout they do alter our base level like our healthy baseline state so we find ourselves instead of being present and mindful and in the moment we might feel like we need to fight or flee from the moment right we are always on edge and this can be really dangerous and really bad for us So there's a few things here to take into consideration. The first is to add more of those feel-good hormones in, the things that make you feel good. Like everyone is different, but it can be as simple as playing with your child in the backyard or savoring that warm cup of coffee that you have as you race out the door at 4 a.m. for work, right? But it really is about bringing those healthy activities back in so you can feel good. You can have some of those happiness hormones rush through your body. And it also might mean as well on the same token as well as adding things in, you might need to take things out. So if you notice that you're triggered by the news, especially at this time, or social media, or a certain person, if you can just avoid those things for a little while, that might help you to get your healthy levels back to that natural baseline. And then on that other token, as well as doing things that make you feel good emotionally and mentally, doing things that are good for your body, like gentle exercise, such as yoga, meditation, as well as eating like anti-inflammatory foods, So maybe instead of having, you know, that takeaway dinner in the evening, you get home and you make a healthy stir fry or something that is a bit more nourishing for your body. And you just take the time. And I think slowing down is a wonderful thing to practice here. Being slow and mindful will definitely assist you in getting back to feeling good and feeling calm. So everything you're talking about, it really is hitting home with me because I know that, and I have been making more of an effort to do it, especially this summer, but enjoying those, those small moments. It's so important, you know, doing things for your own mental health, because that is where you draw your power and your energy and your ability to then later get things done. But when you have a job and children, and, or even if you don't have children, if you just, you have all these responsibilities in your life. How do you work out a schedule that allows you to find the time to do these things? I know for me, 
I don't sit down and write out a schedule of every self-care moment that I'm going to have, but I do take the opportunities when they arise. That's sort of my way of achieving that. But how can women do that? Do they have to work it into a written schedule? Yeah, this is such a great question because we are all challenged with time at the moment. And I definitely relate to this. I have a child, I study, I have a business, I write, I have a partner and it's definitely an ongoing thing, right? I think a lot of the best things in life require maintenance, just like our relationship and our bodies. And so I think it's one thing that you have to continue to come back to seasonally. I like the idea of seasons for a lot of things, because as the seasons change, you can go, oh, look, I really need to review my calendar, right? And review my schedule. There's two sort of things you can do here. One is to look at your calendar and to look at your schedule. And if you are in a state of sort of crisis, like burnout, and you're close to just buying a ticket and going to a desert island somewhere by yourself, right? Look and see if there are any appointments that you can just take off your schedule, any things that you can delegate or delete. And maybe you can do this with some things and maybe not with others. But I think it's really important to cut back, to be a minimalist with your scheduling, with your time, because your time is the one thing that you can never get back, right? So really be very cautious of who and what you let into your life. And as well, when it comes to adding some of these activities in and doing things that feel good for you, start with one teeny tiny step. Just like we were saying in the beginning, I was just taking one incremental small step every week. So maybe this week, honestly, it can be as small as going for a five-minute walk. It doesn't have to be big. And just allow yourself the space to add those things in slowly. There is no rush. But it's really important because when you are well-rested and when you are able to do some of these things, even if it's just for a short time, the impact that it has on your health really is compounding effect. As you add some of these small things, they're going to build upon each other and they're going to affect your relationships and your art and your work and your children. And they are going to have a knock-on effect with other people and those around you as well. You're going to be able to see the world differently. So I think being well-rested is one of the highest priorities. Well nourished is one of the highest priorities we can have and put our intention and attention into at this time. When you talk about being well rested, I mean, it kind of goes back to where we started at the beginning of the conversation of as far as getting up earlier. Do you then have to discipline yourself to go to bed earlier? So interesting. I feel like discipline is a bad word. It's seen as a bad thing. <laughs> it, sure <is. laughs> it shouldn't be, but it, it is. It shouldn't be, but it is. I definitely can understand. I have a five-year-old son, and if I say the word discipline, you know, anything that's a discipline for him, he's sort of like just goes in one ear and out the other. He just ignores it, you know. So I think if you start small, 
it's going to feel easier, right? Instead of going, oh my God, I have to get in bed by nine o'clock, you know, or eight o'clock because I've got to get up for work at 3 a.m. and I've never been able to. I always go to bed at midnight. I think if you start small and say, okay, I'm going to bed at midnight, ideally I want to go to bed at nine o'clock or eight o'clock or something, but I'm going to instead try and go for 11.30, right? Yes, I think that discipline is sort of part of it, but as you start to see the rewards, I feel like you become the discipline, it becomes easier and you become more motivated by by how you're feeling and what you're doing in your life versus what you're taking away from your life. That's good advice. Women in male-dominated industries have to deal with stress and burnout, of course, just like everyone else. But in a lot of ways, I think the stress and burnout is even a little bit different than maybe other industries because they're dealing with a different type of environment where sometimes they might be belittled or they might not be taken seriously. And I'm not saying this is all the time or everyone, but it does happen. Maybe they're feeling overlooked at work or even harassed or worse. So, you know, it's not okay. We don't accept it. But at the same time, it, it is the reality sometimes. And so what can we do as women to be taking care of ourselves in these type of situations. Yeah. I think these are really challenging situations and they're really, honestly, they're really painful situations. They really hurt a lot because it does create that knock on effect where you go to work and you sort of dread going to work, you know, and then you might come home still bringing the energy of work into your home life. I think in the situations where it's really challenging emotionally at work, one of the best things is self-compassion. Self-compassion is a Buddhist term, but it encapsulates many different terms. And it's not about being, being really soft with yourself and just letting things slide. It's about understanding your suffering and understanding the situation from a space of mindfulness, right? In a way, it's about sort of not getting wrapped up in the story. And I think when we can come to situations with a really healthy mindset and a really healthy outlook, it's easier to make the necessary changes. We then know what steps to take instead of feeling really overwhelmed and day in, day out, putting up with things that make us feel uncomfortable may lead us to take unnecessary steps like quitting our job, saying something we might regret. And so coming back to creating a practice of self-compassion, realizing that you are hurting or you're in pain or you're suffering or you've been shamed in a way that, that really hurt you, just acknowledging that bringing mindfulness to what you're feeling as well as understanding that other people have probably gone through what you are going through. And that can be a beautiful segue into looking for new ways to seek help, um, looking for new ways to do things. And one of the things that often happens is that when we are in uncomfortable situations, such as a workplace that, that leaves us 
feeling less than less than good that it's not very uplifting when we're in uncomfortable situations we can start to respond from this space of fear right this is when that when we feel triggered and we want to fight and flight we can respond from a space of fear so taking a step back and learning to respond from a place of love not not for anyone else but for yourself how can you respond to yourself in a loving and kind way just like if you had to give advice to a friend what kind of advice would you give her how would you suggest that your friend look after themselves in this situation so maybe if you feel like you really need the space just to quiet your mind down before and after work you could simply practice a self-compassion exercise like a, a meditation and then maybe at the end of the work day just as like little rituals so you can switch on and switch off you can practice like a journaling practice and just write down your feelings write down the stories bring mindfulness to it and bring this loving kindness and to it so just practicing things that will help you to build yourself back up again because I definitely understand from past experiences that it can leave you feeling depleted and when you get to a certain level of depletion you make those rash decisions. Yeah and when you're making rash decisions I mean obviously that's not the way we want to be carrying out our decision making. We want to focus on solutions and we want to do it from a place where we've really taken the time to think about it and to make sure that we're you know, taking everything into consideration, especially compassion for ourselves. Like you mentioned, there are so many ways to approach decision making. Do you have any techniques that you'd like to share with us about either decision making or ways to be more in touch with our own mindfulness and having compassion for ourselves when we do make our decisions? There is one technique that I really love to use and I think it's a really great starting point for anyone really, whether you're stressed or whether you're in a stage of working towards goals, no matter your circumstance, I think that this can be a wonderful way into seeing yourself differently and also thinking about yourself differently and thinking about how you fill your calendar up and how you fill your time and how you want to be treated by other people. And it's about visualizing your ideal day. So if you can take maybe five minutes and just sort of hibernate to a quiet space and tune out from the world and just see yourself living your ideal day. So just imagine, let's say, that a miracle occurred and when you woke up, your life was exactly how you desired it to be, right? You were doing the things that you wanted to do. You were thinking the thoughts that felt good for you. You were feeling how you wanted to feel. And just imagine how that day would play out. What sorts of relationships would you be having how would that look when you went into your work and just imagine that taking the time to let your imagination run off from you and the thing with this is that in fact it's not about changing external circumstances it's about looking at 
who we are as people and the thoughts we think, the beliefs that we have and our attitudes and our behaviors and the way we respond to the world, that is in our control. And so it does require a little bit of introspection because you can then look at, I know my best day ever. I know who my best self ever is. But who am I being today? How is my life today? And you can bridge that gap and you can look at where am I not living my best day ever? Where am I not being my best self ever? And you can look at creating a plan to implement things that will help you to move from where you are into that person. That is such beautiful advice. I love that. I'm going to try that. So each morning, wake up, visualize your day, think about how your day would be if it were your perfect day, and then think about actually what your day is going to be and how can you make it more like the way you visualized it? What small steps can you take to make it closer to that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, absolutely. And if you want, you can do it every day. I like to do it most days. If you're time poor, then even once a week is sufficient or once a season, right? So yeah, it's a wonderful way to see yourself and also to be conscious of the decisions that you are making. Right, because everything is a decision. Sarah, where can our listeners find you? Where can they either get in touch with you or find your work? Your listeners can come over to my website, which is sarahmarielittle.com. And it's just a very minimalist website. There's not too many bits and bobs over there. But there is a really great blog with some articles that I've written. There are some archetypes as well. And there's a little bit about my work over there too. Well, thank you. That sounds great. And some really useful advice for our listeners. I know I will definitely be implementing some of these ideas myself. And I thank you so much for taking the time to join us. I hope that we didn't drag you out of bed too early, but we do appreciate it very much. Thank you so much. You have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.